Oh, yeah, I finished chewing this protein ball. I'm mad that you you want to put this on the bonus on a bonus podcast, and you're chewing protein balls. I'm sorry. the The people who support us love me, and they know that I got to eat protein balls before I record any podcast. <laughs> that's been my thing. Over like, do you remember how that's been my thing like this whole time? Yeah, over the past four years. Mm-hmm. You know another thing that's my thing now. What is it? Slash that's always been my thing. Look what Emma got me for my birthday. Socks. Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks. Baby. Nice. I'm a Burks guy now. <laughs> I prefer I, like I prefer be... Birkin mutual funds. <laughs> Everyone's always wearing Birkenstocks, but no one's wearing Birkin bonds. I know. It's What's ridiculous. Welcome to the Crunch Daily Podcast that doesn't know the difference between a spinning Jenny and a lazy Susan. It's your boy, Ethan. Uh, I think you've used that one already. Have I really? Yeah, I think so. Dang. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one, though. I know. I thought of it the other day, and it made me laugh. It's again. really funny. <laughs> I, I, there was a band in, in, in Steubenville called Spinning Jenny, and they were impressive. I, I okay. saw them my first time. I think I don't actually. I don't know if you used it before. We can go ahead. Wait, really? I think I did. It sounds like. I, I mean, I've probably I've, made that joke I've before. I've heard it before. But, yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry if I made that joke before. I'm so sorry, but I'm only one guy. <laughs> Can't remember all my bits. Subscribe to Patreon so that I can warrant spending more of my free time writing jokes. <laughs> if that's what you really, if you're actually upset about this, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TheCrunch and take out your anger on your bank card. That's the, what you can do. The one problem with your fancy new real estate job is now there's no possible way for your side hustle to out earn your main your main gig. That's true. With me, it was possible. The, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit because the the sky is <laughs> two inches tall. <laughs> You're like, and yeah, I guess it's a trade off, but also I could go podcast whenever I want. It's like the same. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I guess no, you can podcast nice. whenever you want. What were you saying about John Mulaney? John Mulaney and Nick Kroll made a podcast called "Oh Hello the Podcast." Mm. It was during quarantine. It was very nice mm. that they did that. Um, really. Yeah, so how how what, what how's it going? What's up with you nowadays? <laughs> I have something I want to say, but I don't want to be rude. <laughs> you can say it. Oh, so uh, thank you <laughs> for asking. No, no has no friction at all on that. <laughs> it was like, no, no, oh, no, Ethan's no, handing it back over to me. I'm not gonna. Re- yeah. Oh, yes. Now yes. it's time mm-hmm, for Patrick. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Well, because you were late to the podcast, I was able to do something. I, I, I was able to continue doing something that I was work. I was able to continue working on something mm-hmm. that I was working on. Mm. Uh, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a mini Greek practice test. Okay. And so I decided to, I, I took a little little sliver of scripture, mm-hmm. about 80, it was 80 words, and I just translated it. And I have a system now for translating. Whenever I don't know a word, I just put it in parentheses, I leave space for it, and I just skip it. I go, nice. and then I, I look up the words in the in the lexicon in roughly alphabetical order, so I don't have to keep flipping back and forth. And it was super efficient. I told you I have to translate three words a minute. I was able to translate three point, or it's 2.6 words a minute, if you want to be mm-hmm. exact. I was able to translate yeah. 3.8 words a minute. Why does I it tr- have to be 2.6 a minute? Who, de- who decides that? Is there a, is there a board? Yeah, they, so they the, voted on this? The test, the test for, for reading proficiency is they give you a 400-word excerpt, and you have to translate it in two and a half hours, which works out to 2.6 words a minute. Uh, 2.6 repeating. Um, So I I was able to do that, which, and I only missed three words, which is a 96%. So. Wow. I know. I'm pretty excited. I only, I only missed three words. I had to, I had to look up a bunch, but like, that's, that's normal because there's no way to 
memorize all of the words in scripture. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty impressive though. Is it was, it like was great. A, when you, when you take this exam where you have to translate Greek, are mm-hmm. there just like four detached marble busts? Of, <laughs> Socrates of, and Plato. Of, and... So, yeah. That just kind of stare at you. And if you look at someone else's paper, <laughs> they, 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 you get turned into stone and then everyone else kind of looks at you and you're kind of stuck how you were when you were cheating. And then you get added to the, uh, uh, to the museum. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just, what happens is you walk into a room with four security cameras. So uh-huh. basically, and the professor hands <laughs> each you, camera you, is named Plato, Aristotle, Aristotle. <laughs> and then the Herodotus, Herodias, uh, Ovid. How about, Ovid, let's try sure. Ovid on. Yeah, let's let's, let's throw Ovid. Ovid in there. What about what yeah. about Diogenes? There's a philosopher. Diogenes. How about how about my good, good friend of mine? Zeus is the guy. <laughs> that, <I know. laughs> that guy, that fella. Uh, so yeah, uh, what I do is I just have to tell the professor guy. I have to say, hey, professor guy, I want to take that test, and he gives me the he gives me the the packet, and I go mm-hmm. to the testing center where they watch you take tests, mm-hmm. and I just take the test and I give it back to him. And I don't know if I get to take my own lexicon in there because my the lexicon that I have is really nice and compact. It's my Greek yeah. New Testament with ah. a, the back is just a lexicon. And it's like, this is the lexicon. It's real short and it's only words that are in scripture. So <laughs> I don't have to flip past any words that aren't in scripture. So is I want to use my own lexicon. No. Oh, great. Lexicons, it really doesn't matter what kind of lexicon you have because it's like, there are some words where even if you had a lexicon, if you didn't understand the Greek language, you would not you would not get it. Like the word um, the word erkomai means I come, and the mm-hmm. word elphone means I went. So mm. it's the same word, different tense. I see. Yeah. For all of those out there who are of the gambling sort. Uh, and who bet on the Vegas odds on the over under of how many times Patrick was going to say lexicon on this podcast? If you bet it, if you bet the over, you're you're making a lot of money right now. You're in good shape. In good I, shape. The 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 Las Vegas stats of our podcast, the 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 betting circle of our podcast. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, it's very large, very large. Thousands. Most people Draft, just listen. DraftKings promo code BroPostle. We yeah, don't actually, have it. I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to support DraftKings because it leads to people who get gambling addicted. What about what about BetMGM Sportsbook? I don't know about that one. I've That's the one it. that I get ads for all the time. Really? Do you want to hear the reason why? Well, you already know why I was late, but can I add on to the story? Absolutely. <laughs> so the reason I was late to the podcast today was uh, I don't know if anybody else does this. Write in to Facebook.com/slash/group/slash/TheCrunchCast if this has ever happened <laughs> to you. Uh, I was driving and I was on the phone with my beloved and uh, driving, 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 driving. Drove all the way up from Norman to where my house is. It was like a 30-minute drive and it was in rush hour, so it was like 40 minutes. So I was driving and I got to a certain point. I'm trying to get to the point where I don't need my maps anymore in Oklahoma City. So I was like, I turned off the maps. I was like, I know how to get home. (laughs) And I just drove and I was talking to Emma on the phone and... I realized that I had driven, not just like missed my exit. Oh no, I have to turn around. Like I drove 20 minutes past where I was supposed to exit the highway. Like I I was in Edmond and I live in the middle of Oklahoma city. So if you know that it's like, I drove an extra 20 minutes North and then saw the sign to exit for Edmond. I was like, Oh, 
what? <laughs> I had to turn around. And then I was coming back the other way, Patrick. This is the problem when you live in a state that looks the same for hours. I missed my exit again on the way back. What? <laughs> so this one was pretty funny because I I only missed it by one street. So I got out and it was fine. It was not a big deal. But I was driving past it and then I saw the building. And I was like, huh, that looks a lot like the building on my exit. And then I turned. Oh. Oh, dear. <laughs> I was I was pretty upset with myself. Highway driving, man. It, I know. And when you're kind of thinking about a thousand other things, it's mm-hmm. just, I would have driven all the way to Wichita. Like I would have just kept going, you know, I wouldn't have stopped. Oh yeah. There was a, there was a point where I, I missed the turn. I missed a turn and I was driving the opposite direction on I-79, which goes mm-hmm. from Erie to Pittsburgh and then further South. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be going North and I was going South. I would have driven all the way to Florida. I, I <laughs> know I, I, it, I had the exact same experience. I was like, Oh look, yeah. another top golf because I'm used to seeing it going North, but yeah. I was seeing it going South. Mm. And so I was passing on the other side and I was like, Oh look, a top golf. That's crazy. There's two so close. And I was like super pissed cause I just come back from the DMV. And uh-huh. so I was even more upset with myself. And Phoebe right. was like, you're just getting so upset. And I was because like, no the top golf was there. Yeah. I was so upset cause I, everyone was having fun at the top golf. Everyone was going to Top Golf and buying overpriced quesadillas. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's, it's Top Golf. I have opinions about people who order food at Top Golf. Let me just say that. It's not a good idea. You should drink. If you go, go to Top Golf. This is a pro tip from someone who has tried to squeeze every dollar he can out of that institution. Mm-hmm. Um, go to Top Golf. Figure out what day their, uh, their, their special is. Because typically, like a Monday or a Wednesday between 10 and three it's like half off mm-hmm. and then sometimes you can get a pitcher for half off too so you get a pitcher of beer and half off top golf and you can have yourself a nice little afternoon get together you just can't go on the weekends or in the evenings oh absolutely not you just gotta gotta make that happen it's a really bad idea yeah. it's a really bad idea it's not a good idea at all the first time i went was in the middle of the day it was a really good idea that's so fun it was I great love golf i went golfing for my sean and nick party. paid me back for it so Went golf for the batch party last weekend. Nice. Everybody was burned. I don't know if you know about oh, this heat no. wave that's going on. No. <laughs> Wait, really? No. Okay, there's a huge heat wave in the uh, country. <laughs> oh, oh, it's not. There, it got colder here. Did it actually? Yeah, it was like actually. I walked outside in a couple of days ago, and it was like 58 and chilly. You're joking. No. You were joking. No, Gosh. it was really cold. That's frustrating. Yeah. It was really cold. It's been really hot here. It's been way hotter in the West, but it's pretty hot here in Oklahoma. <clears throat> we went golfing. Me and my brothers spent 10 minutes before we went golfing lathering up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was like, what are you guys doing? It's taking so long. Like, let's go play. And then we walked off of that golf course feeling fine. Nothing wrong with our arms. Nothing wrong with our necks. Everybody else was like, oh. You know that noise that guys make after they get sunburned? Yeah. Yeah. And then we then we all kind of collectively we went back to the Airbnb. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Everybody Great. ate like twenty wings. We went back Good. to the house, and everybody kind of just laid down. And you had that post, you know, that post in the sun oh, coll- yeah. collapse. The it's not sun really a takes nap. It out of you. Yeah. This. What does the sun do? Like, is that? I thought it was a source of energy, not a sun right. of energy. Well, no. I mean, I think that's how it stays so hot is that it takes all the boy energy from Earth. <laughs> I think that's why, you know, boys typically are regarded as less attractive than women. It's not because of the whole, like, God made Adam first, then Eve, and then everything was very good. It's because we've been outside in the sun longer, zapped our hotness. (laughs) 
Think about Adam that. was out. Adam's out in the sun for like a couple of days. Took a while to find all those animals and and, and name them. Mm-hmm. You know, so he got zapped. Did John Paul II think about this theory about the theology of the body? He probably did. He just was too too tired to put it because he was sapped by the sun. Man, he was the, just the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church needs to apologize to Galileo because he came to the Vatican and said, the earth revolves around the sun and it steals all the hot guy energy from earth. <laughs> and they threw him in jail. <laughs> and they threw him in jail. And then he got real hot because he was not in the sun. <laughs> and then and then he walked into the Vatican. They were like, oh my gosh. He was like, see? see? Look, exactly I told, what I I told you. <laughs> you guys are all idiots. Look at me. I'm Galileo. I'm freaking Galileo. I know. Man. All right, well. That's good. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. <laughs> Can I rant about something once for one second? Yeah, sure. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Yeah. And they were talking about how this one king in England was not allowed to... He, he was forced to step down as king because he wanted mm. to marry a woman who was previously divorced. Ah, okay. And uh, I, I can see where this is going. According to um, the law of the Church of England at the time... Mm-hmm. Um, the king, because he was the head of the Church of England, could not marry someone who was divorced. So mm-hmm. uh, he was forced to step down if he wanted to marry her. And the people on this podcast were like, "That doesn't make any sense because the Church of England was started because the guy wanted to get divorced." And I'm like, "Yeah, that makes that that's 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 fair. That is really stupid." And the guy goes, "Religion is so stupid." And I was like, "Why does that make religion stupid? Sounds to me like kings are stupid. That's <laughs> Why is it all like, man, religion is so stupid, it keeps Gosh. monarchs from abusing their power? What are you talking oh, about? <laughs> that's ridiculous. It made me was, so upset. Was this the conspiracy podcast with yeah. the guy who's quiet and the guy who's feisty? Yes. I want to light them up so bad. Did they ever respond to your email? No, they never. Well, they're bad at responding to emails. They're kind of like us. But um, no, I responded to an email this week. I was like, answer the dubia. Answer the, I should respond <laughs> to him without any context. Answer the dubia. Answer the dubia. Uh, yeah, e- I emailed him. Did you get I- that email this week about is religion necessary? No. Oh. Wait, from who? Do you want to talk about that? No. Well, it's kind of goes along with what our apathyism podcast was about. Basically, it was some people who are asking about their friends who are happy and fulfilled and basically moral. And it's like is presenting them with the kerygma, knowing they won't accept it, going to be helpful or hurtful to their soul on Judgment Day. And I said being ignorant of Christ and what he did for us is in no way a worse way to live <laughs> or no way, a better way to live rather to be ignorant of it. It was like you, it's your job to make sure they know the gospel, not, not their job to stay blissfully ignorant, ignorant and do the best that they can without it. Like, Oh, I found it. I found it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's a good, I think that's a good response. No, I did. Um, yeah. So if anybody out there is thinking that they're, basically good friends are going to be okay without the gospel, please repent and go preach the gospel to them. It doesn't have to be all in one go, yeah. but just reorient your life to help the people in you, that you know know Jesus. Just Knowing kind of Jesus what, what is to good to me. And that's a podcast, baby. That's yeah, right we love there. it. It's pretty good. It's a good show. <clears throat> ah, yeah. All right, so you, you, got, you got a topic? topic for us? Yeah. So yeah. let me tell you what book I read uh, on Audible uh-huh. what book? this week. I crushed it. I started Monday. I finished it on Thursday. Nice. I read by Rod Dreher, The Benedict Option. No. <laughs> How'd it go? And you know what I learned, Patrick? What? I learned that everybody who's ever said anything about The Benedict Option has not read The Benedict Option. Really? That's, <laughs> that's what I learned. <laughs> I thought it was really good. 
honestly, for really? like what it for what it was. I thought it was really good. I think a lot of people, if you don't know about the Benedict Option, you don't know who Roger is. Roger is a guy who's like a journalist and a writer. He used to be Catholic, but he converted to Orthodoxy, and so everyone's like mad at him <laughs> just all the time. <laughs> yeah, and he wrote this book called The Benedict Option, and kind of the popular uh, comment to say about this book is, I don't think it's right for Christians to all huddle up in their communes and not go into the outside world. Uh, that's like very specifically what he says that he's not advocating for in the book. Yeah, like it sounds multiple like, times. It sounds like that's a very obvious criticism that if you yeah. were to leave yourself vulnerable to that, you would not get a book published. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was a, I thought that was really good in the, the image that I took away from it. And this isn't what the main podcast is going to be about. I just think I would encourage people to read it who maybe have hesitated because of the things that they've heard about it. Mm. I thought it would gave a really good kind of pop synopsis of the history of Western thought and how we went from William of Ockham to where we are now, basically like it wasn't, um, it wasn't super in depth or anything, but he kind of just traced like, here's what happened in the 14th century. Here's what happened in the 15th century. Here's like, boom, 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 boom. And that's kind of like how Western thought changed to lead us to where we are now. And it was, I thought it was, it was good refresher for me. Cause that's the kind of stuff that I read about anyway, but it was, uh, are just really, really good. So I think anybody who wants to read it should read it. But the kind of the image that he gave that I thought was really good is we need to establish strong borders of, of our Christian communities and then, like the kingdom of God, push it to expand outward to encompass the people around us. That was the image that he used that I thought was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, we need the Benedict Option so that we can build a life of prayer and community and real Christian living and real Christian charity but but he like the second half of the book is okay how do we go from there to like start pushing it outwards towards to to get to invite everybody else in the world into it um so i thought it was really good there's a little section in here on a chapter on technology and uh, we know we know about technology we love technology because the well, two things the two things that he says are the biggest obstacles are sex and technology it's like just kind of the two biggest hang ups sex knowledge that's sex knowledge text Tex-Mex. <laughs> Tex-Mex. The biggest obstacle. The biggest obstacle to Christian living in 2020. It's Tex-Mex. So I'm going to have to edit this. Ethan, remember to edit this in the future. It is only in modern times with the rise of technology that our tools have turned the tables on us and gained the power to direct our metaphysical and theological convictions. That's because technological man understands freedom as liberation from anything that is not freely chosen by the autonomous individual. This likely explains why Americans are so naively optimistic about technology. As philosopher Matthew Crawford has observed, Wow, he mentioned Postman and Crawford, and, and I and Crawford. haven't read this book. Yeah, I think you'd really like it. I probably will. You got to check it out. I mean, so it, that, it was maligned by Twitter for like eight years of my it life. It was. I really yeah. don't understand why. I think people, I think it's like pretty convicting about. Rod has had to, some bad takes in his life. He's had some hasn't? bad takes, but this book was basically, we need to pray more, and we need to have better Christian community, and we need to oppose the sexual revolution, and we need to oppose the techni- tech- tech- technology revolution. And we need to be real Christians. And that's basically like what <laughs> the book was. And everyone was like, <laughs> um, so th- I think that line of was modern man views freedom as liberation from anything, not freely chosen by an autonomous individual. And that's why. And then the next sentence, that's why Americans are so optimistic about technology. Yeah. That kind of sparked something in my mind that I kind of wanted to explore with you a little bit. Um, 
just the nature of freedom and the nature of our relationship with technology and what like what we're actually looking for when we turn to our smartphone or when we turn to our laptop or when we turn to our GPS or whatever the thing is that we're turning to we we what Christians should be able to do I think is be able to accept something that's happening to them with joy and peace and be able to respond to it with charity and I think what actually happens is something happens to us and because we're modern and we live in America we think, oh, I can solve this with technology. Actually, th- no, no, that's not what we think. It's I ought to be able to solve this with technology. We that's have my, the technology. That's my that's my right as an individual, and th- I'm gonna. I can't wait for X number of years in the future when we'll have X because it means we won't have to deal with X anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that is way more instilled in our minds as Christians in America than we want to think about or admit because that's just how technology trains us to think and live. And I think it makes it way, way, way harder to actually rely on God and have a powerful, meaningful, transformative Christian worldview and Christian life. So using technology. Bad. Bad. Book good. Book good. No, so using technology to overcome problems lessens our reliance on God? No. Okay. I think it's the belief that human freedom is tied up in our ability to get rid of anything that we didn't choose. Ah. Is the problem. And technology is the, the means by which we achieve that. We achieve this false sense of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm I'm trying to... I should be able to choose virtually everything that happens to me. Yes. And when something happens to me that I did not choose, I should be able to use modern science to or technology to overcome that. And when that technology hurts me, I should mm-hmm. use more technology to overcome that. Yes. Yeah. Because think about, this is like a silly little example, but let's think about like all the Gen Z kids <clears throat> who like know that they're addicted to their phones and the solution that they use to not be addicted to their phones is like the phone timer on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of silly. It's really goofy, yeah. When you think about it. Mm. I, I mean, thing, I did that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. same, you know. Yeah. The Phoebe's literally doing the same thing right now too, I I phone locked it. <laughs> That's a good thing about having a spouse. You can you can parental lock each other's phones. <laughs> That's kind of nice. I can't wait to have a spouse. I'm so close. I'm only a month and a half away. Congratulations. It's very exciting. It is a very exciting time, except also, gosh, I just wanted to be here already. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> anyway, I'm wondering if there's a way that we can shift our mindset to have a better understanding of freedom that's not so influenced by everything around us. You know, like... The, the car being the symbol of freedom for a 16-year-old. Yeah. Right? Or the smart bo- smartphone being the symbol of freedom for everyone. <laughs> or... I the smartphone is becoming the symbol of freedom for teenagers. It is. Yeah. We got to have a better symbol of freedom. The American flag. Okay. Hey, Ethan, that flag still stands for freedom, and you can't take that away. 
No, it does. I agree. Thin blue line. Um, that was a joke. I'm, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we got to have a better symbol. I mean, what? Okay, then what? It, like, if freedom isn't the ability for me to choose whatever I want, then what mm-hmm. is it? Well, I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you. If yeah, because because like, <laughs> I always come here with questions, and you always have answers, and that's kind of how we do this. That's fair. To to, <laughs> I've talked a lot about this. I wrote I wrote a I wrote a paper for my mm. moral theology class about uh, freedom of religion and how separation of church and state and and that concept of so Thomas Thomas Jefferson linked Ooh. freedom of <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah <laughs> thomas jefferson linked uh like i i was uh, my 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 mouth started to say thomas and my brain went ooh aquinas and my mouth said no jefferson and my brain said oh <laughs> so thomas jefferson linked religious freedom with the separation of church and state mm-hmm. in in his letter to the Dansbury Baptists. And that was very explicit. And so I mentioned how even though my paper was about how even though the First Amendment does not include separation of church and state, the framers believed, at least one of them, the most influential one, he believed that it was implicitly there because of the quote-unquote freedom of religion. So that means that the concept of freedom for the framers of the Constitution was a separation of from things that de, that choose things for me. You know, like religion was this concept that mm-hmm. re, the church is very much this concept of I'm going to tell you what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's an oversimplification of it. But I mean, the church is seen as one of these. Uh, the church is this is this symbol of not freedom for separation of church and state proponents. And the state, at least the American state, is seen as the progenitor of freedom. It's mm-hmm. like you can have... So, like, we're going to separate the church and the state because the church can't control the state. And so now the state is going to give you freedom. Isn't this state great? Isn't it awesome? Like, we have we have absolute sovereignty, and we're going to use that absolute sovereignty for good. Isn't that great? We're awesome. This is never going to fail. <laughs> this is um, never... This kid, there's no way this could go wrong. We are a benevolent... We are, we are a benevolent dictatorship of ourselves. Isn't that great? Um, yes. And... That, that that's probably taking it a little too far. No, it's I do. Not. I like America. I like living here. It's nice. I, I like it. I like it here too. But also, <laughs> you go from the church being the person to tell you what's right and wrong to the state being the person to tell you what's right. That and wrong. was what the article was about. Was that that yeah. was Jefferson's absolute intention? That taking the ability to determine right and wrong away from the church meant that the state can do it. And religious freedom is a very loosely defined concept that. Mm-hmm allows you to have these beliefs as long as they don't conflict with the state's beliefs but when they do conflict with the state's beliefs it then becomes a legal question it then becomes a legal question do you actually have the right to do this it was literally in the supreme court the supreme court ruled in favor but catholic social services was denying adoption of children to same-sex couples Mm -hmm. and it had to go to court and money had to be spent to determine can the church believe this essentially is it is it legal for the church to believe this i mean it's that's oversimplification it was Mm -hmm. you could say it wasn't can the church believe this it was can the church act on their beliefs in this way but Mm -hmm. if you can't act on your beliefs then your freedom has been restricted exactly actually have freedom 
Exactly. And it's, it's this concept that belief is some, is not something that determines our action. It's just something that is held and it can determine your action. It doesn't have to, which is why we get people who are pro-life, pri- pro, publicly pro-choice, privately pro-life. Um, but that's not your question. Your question is about freedom. <laughs> yes. I'm glad that you went down that path because it gave me time to look up a Bible verse. Great. <laughs> I want to read John eight thirty one. It's classic. Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been in bondage to anyone. Cap. How is it? <laughs> Dude, the Jews have been enslaved like lots of times. So like, many times. I don't know. I don't know how you can say that. I've never been. In, we're Jews, man. We've never been slaves. Don't you remember like half the Bible? All right. All the Bible. How is it that you say you will be made free? Then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not continue in the house forever. The son continues forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I'm a child of God. I find this interesting because the word I like, or I think it is kind of crazy that the word freedom and the word free has these very biblical connotations, right? Like the slaves being freed from Israel, us being freed from the bondage of sin, right? Like these are very common, constant themes throughout all of scripture, right? Even the post resurrection, the, the apostles being freed from prison to literally like literally being freed so that they go can go and preach the gospel. Um, it's a constant thing. And yet it's all, there's also this weird, not actually true, but kind of true version of freedom in America, which is the, the freedom to not be encumbered by anything. (laughs) Uh, And I think, I think I approach my faith that way. Like, I think I approach my relationship with Jesus that way where I come to him and say, I've got this problem. You've got to take this away. <laughs> like I have this. It's have this, the law. <laughs> it's the law. I wrote it and I signed it. And yeah. so you have to listen you to it. You were there. You saw. <laughs> or there's this, there's this person in my life or there's this situation in my life who's ex- they're experiencing some kind of negative emotion or unfortunate circumstance, or there's some kind of problem. And a lot of times my initial recourse is to turn to God and say, Hey God, fix this. Because I think deep down, this is kind of where I wanted to talk about this. I didn't really know this until right now. Like deep down, my thought is I have a right to be not bothered by any bad things. And God is here to make sure that the bad things go away. (laughs) And that's like what I've been promised as a believer. Mm -hmm. But I don't actually think that that's true. And I think that might actually be really bad. It's very much not true, yeah. Yeah, oh no. Patrick, help. God doesn't do I, promise no bad things will happen. He just, yeah. I mean, I know all those things. But practically, when you're in the moment, it's really hard to let to not let your American individualism seep into your prayer. Mm, interesting. And be something that's, no God, you don't understand, you know, I've, yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been faithful to you and I've done all these things. I've sacrificed so much for you. Why, why, why am I still like 
why, why can't I get over this sin? Like, why do I keep going back to this thing? And I think mm-hmm. that's what, like, I experienced this. I know tons of people experience that same thing, that exact same thought. Every time they go to confession, every time they go to mass, like, man, I struggled with this again this week, whatever it might be. And that's, this is the weird thing is that like Jesus frees us from sin, but it's not, it's not the same way that we see freedom in America. You know, I don't really, I don't really understand. We, kind we of the treat difference. God the way that people treat technology. Eventually yeah. technology will free us from our pain and God will eventually free us from our pain. I like that. I like that. Um, <clears throat> that verse about freedom and connecting freedom to truth, because that mm-hmm. is not, mm-hmm. that is not the American conception. No. Of freedom. Freedom in a lot of times in America is the, like, don't tell me the truth if it's going to hurt me kind mm-hmm. of a thing. I mean, the only where the only, th- the first thing I can think of where truth appears in the declaration of independence is we, we hold, hold these, these truths, truths to be self-evident. The first three words. Yeah. <laughs> that all men are created equal, and they didn't even really believe that. Yeah. But, but they're endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights unless you're a minority. Was that was that the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution? Nah, who cares? I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. Um <laughs> uh, but but do we connect truth and freedom hmm. in our own lives? I don't really think so. No. Because Truth, like what is truth? I know that's well. Like, truth, well, truth exists outside of me. Yeah, and freedom, a lot of times, is defined by what I think exists it is. within me. That's yes. the, yeah. So and that, that it can't be defined by what exists within me because that means it's not freedom. Because freedom is truth, and truth is freedom. And yes, hmm. I mean Jesus is truth, right? Like that. That the the article that I wrote. Um, I'm going to submit this. Cause it was really good I to America it. mag. Mm-hmm. Nice dude. Yeah. I got the, I got the, I got the magazine in the, it's, yes. I'm in the July issue, baby. Uh, I'm going to buy it just for that one month, six bucks. So one month subscription, <laughs> one month subscription. Um, it, the end of the, the end of the article was like, okay, so what actually is the relationship between church and state? And the conclusion that I drew was like the bet, the, the best example that we have of church and state facing each other is Jesus facing Pilate and mm-hmm. Pilate asks, what is truth? Mm-hmm. And then he answers his own question later when he says, behold the man, because Jesus said earlier in that gospel, I am the truth. And that's the responsibility of the church is to remind the state of the truth because we, we have, we have in essence, we have, we have severed the two swords of the church and the state. We can't really go back to the way mm-hmm. things were. Mm-hmm. But at least the very least the church can do is continue to remind, continue to present the truth, Christ, to the state, which is the secular world at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I think the more Jesus-like we become, oh, Christ-like, there's a word for that. The more Christ-like we become, the more... Jesus-esque. Jesus-esque. The more the more Christian we become. Ah. Yeah. I, 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 I brought that up. I gave a talk at Alpha the other day and I it was like the first day of Alpha and I meant to say this but I didn't get to. Um we have this idea that Christian means of the Christian religion. 
mm-hmm. of the church, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that. No. It means of Christ. And so people talk about like Christian fascism and like Christian nationalism. And it's like, that's not compatible. <laughs> We're in you danger. Know? Yeah. It's like, it's like saying, it's like saying Hitlerian communism. It's that it doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you can't, those are two competing ideologies. That person did not believe that Christ was not a nationalist. So there can't be Christian nationalism. And if a Christian is being a nationalist, they're not being a Christian. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think that there's means, a word for it. It's called nationalism. It's called nationalism. <laughs> yeah. And I, with, with the, with the flavor of Christianity with like what, what the, what the, uh, American Protestant, you know, identity has become, uh, yeah, it's important that we separate those. We separate that notion of like what the church is, is, and what Christ is are what the church is in practice mm-hmm. is different than what the church is in reality. Yes. It's like in reality, the church is Christ, you know, the body of Christ, but in, in practice, the church is not like Christ because we don't, we are members of the church. We don't act like Christ. So we have to mm-hmm. separate that and understand the word Christian means being like Christ. So be Christian doesn't mean be real nice and be like what the church presents itself as. It means be Jesus. Yeah. And that, that is, that is the way to not only sever yourself from this false idea of freedom, but also it's a way to, it's a way to sever yourself from the false idea of freedom and live in truth is to be more and more like Christ because Christ is truth. And it also brings other people to the truth because they see him in you. I'm going to get practical. This Mm -mm. is my favorite, my favorite segment of the podcast. Ethan gets practical. Ethan gets practical. EGP, <laughs> the estimated gross domestic product. You are you have a ringtone going off? What is that? What's going on? No, right? that's uh that my my church. This is some. This is another reason why maybe we I should record at my house. Uh, every half hour the bells go off. Ah, no, it's not bad. It's good. It reminds us of 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 God. It does indeed. <laughs> the okay. The practical thing I was going to say. There, the problem is, is that there are so many opportunities that are socially acceptable and easy to remove ourselves from truth and therefore remove ourselves from freedom while both, while maintaining the illusion that we have both. Okay. Easy, easy, easy example. You come home from a long day at work. You're tired. You pop in, you know, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the Bad Batch, and you watch it and you have a great time. And then it's, and then, and then for that 30 minutes or 45, I don't know how long those episodes are. I don't watch it, but you watch it. And for that amount of time, you get to like see someone else's struggles and see someone else's pain and uh, see someone else's victory and feel like you're a part of something. And it, and it kind of shuts off the part of your brain that's thinking about how hard your day was. And then you turn off Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the Bad Batch. And, and then all of it comes like rushing back and you don't feel free and you don't feel like that there's truth in your life. And so you go back to star Wars, the bad batch where there is truth and you like see good conquering evil and you see, uh, you you feel free because you're choosing it and you're, you feel better when you choose it. You're like, Oh, this is, I'm relaxing. Right. And then no matter how long you do that, everybody kind of has had this experience where they've binged on the internet until like two in the morning just trying to stave off that feeling. And eventually you have to turn it off and go to bed. And everybody knows that feeling when you turn it off and you're just like, gosh, that sucked. That was so bad. (laughs) You know, like I feel way worse. And 
I don't want to come out as like a, you can never watch TV and you can never get on the internet and you can never do anything. But I've never felt that way after reading a book for too long. That's true. I've never felt that way after reading a book. And I've never felt that way about like after doing something with my hands. I've never felt that way after mowing the yard, you know, like I've never felt that way after uh, picking up sticks or, or trimming a tree yeah, or helping like going over to my neighbor's house and asking if she needs anything or and I think talking with those to my things, friends. I think you know, what those like, things have in common is like, because we, 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 one easy way to get to like dismiss an argument of like, Oh, Hey, don't watch TV too much. It's like, well, it's art too. And that's yes. true. It is just like a book, but a book requires something of you mm-hmm. and a television show absolutely does not. Yes. A movie doesn't really either. No. I mean, especially some of these movies that like with when in, in some movies, this is true, but in most movies it's not in books. It's always true because there's something that you, the book can't give you. And that is exactly what the person looks like, exactly what the person is feeling, you know, like it, you're able to step into a person's situation and experience things through another person's eyes in a movie you can't do that. You're just watching other people do things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes and sometimes a movie will make you wonder what's going on in that person's heart or what's going on in their mind and the actor will be really good and they'll sh- they'll kind of like give you hints and you may have to guess. But most of the time they just drop in a narrator that goes, "I was so embarrassed when that girl <laughs> saw me poop my pants at the sock hop." I haven't watched a teen movie in forever, but I'm pretty no, sure that's, that's okay. what they all, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You a lot know, of feces, a lot of sock hops. Yeah, so much. And the, and the question is, is you said we have to be more like Jesus. Christ. Say it again. Christian. <laughs> I heard somewhere recently, I don't remember where it was, that we have to make, maybe it was a quote from Pope Francis or something. I don't know. But we have to make God and other people the center of our lives. And that is what's going to lead us to happiness and freedom. And that's going to lead us to recognizing our own frailty and relying on God the most. And that's living in truth. Um, if there's a, a dad out there who has five kids, or however many kids, and he comes home every day, and maybe even leaving God, maybe he doesn't pray as often as he should, right? But like he takes his family to mass every Sunday and he goes home and he's, his family and his children are like the center, like the center of his attention. Like whatever they need, they need for that night. That's what he's doing. Changing diapers, helping with dinner, cleaning up after dinner, um, playing with the kids, you know, getting them ready for bed, getting them in bed. You know, like he made his family the center of his life that day versus same dad comes home, pops on the NBA finals game six, the bucks playing the nets doesn't pay attention to his family at all in that moment probably feels better, but he's not living like truthfully. And, and so I want that, like that kind of image to drive us. Even if we don't have kids or a family, like the same kind of thing applies to you. Like the same reality of God and other people have to be at the center of your life applies to you. So when you get home from work and you're done doing your duty for the day, 
there's, there's, there's still more responsibilities that are asked of you by God. And I think that I was reading abandonment to divine providence this morning. And he said this great line that was like, we have to unite our sufferings, like the ways that we can see God's will working in our everyday life. And that the divine activity is looking for him in the sufferings and looking for him in the consolations and looking for him in our daily duties. And if we're like trying to step outside of any of those three zones, we're stepping into a land of like where God doesn't want us to be. Cause the only three places we're ever going to be are doing what our responsibilities are suffering through what we're asked to be suffering from and enjoying what God is giving us to enjoy. Like those are kind of the three things that we have until we die. If you really break yeah, it down pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, be like Jesus. And if somebody asks you like, Hey, did you see the new episode of Loki? You know, and, and you don't watch Loki. <laughs> The, the proper response is not, I don't watch TV, you freaking loser, which is what I normally do. What Jesus would do is say, no, I haven't seen it. Tell me about it. Like you, you still have to be engaged with other people and mm-hmm. care about other people, regardless of if the thing that they care about is pointless. In the same way that your kid will run up to you one day and be like, daddy, look, I drew a flower on my brother's butt. And look at how pretty it is. You'll be like, wow, what? Tell him to put his pants back on. Put your pants back on, Robert. (laughs) You know, like you're going to have to take an interest in things that don't, you don't care about. And I think if we step away from the world and we step away from this, this culture, that's just constantly telling us to, that's lying to us about giving us truth and freedom. We have to live in necessarily a different world and a different culture than everyone else we talk to on a daily basis lives in. But there's a really easy way to respond to that with with Christian charity. Does that kind of make sense? Like what I'm kind of tossing around in my mind. Yes. Okay. It does indeed. Just needed to get all that out there. That's good. I I am I'm convicted, and I want to write more about this. <laughs> good. This was really just for me to process kind of what I was thinking about I need today. To find, that's good. Something I've been dealing with is I'm trying to figure out how to how to write more articles for America. I got really good advice to connect things to current events because that's what people want to read about. But I'm having trouble connecting. Hey, you guys remember the Benedict Option, a book that came out in 2016? Hey, I don't want to write about that. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a current event. I'm having trouble connecting like freedom and technology to current events because these things are kind of timeless mm. things we always think about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe that counts too. Eh, whatever. Hmm. You ready? Yeah. What are we doing now? I think it's time for us to go into Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, sponsored by Catholic Match. Sign up for your free profile by going to catholicmatch.com slash crunch. Uh, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. It's it's not, I, I, I... All right. You came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> Are you serious? We're about to go into Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, sponsored by Catholic Match. Go to catholicmatch.com right now to sign up for your accounts. It's promo code The Crunch. <laughs> At I'm, Catholic Match on Instagram. Oh, okay. I'm, I forgot the last part of your thing. That's okay. It's go to, to sign up for your free profile, go to catholicmatch.com. If you go to catholicmatch.com slash crunch, you will let them know that you came here from us, and that will let them know that yeah. we're... Get a free account. And then maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll end up on this podcast.
So I. What do we got? Lay I got me. I got so many, and I just really? don't I don't know I don't know where to go. You just um, gotta pick one. Pick one at random. I put, give me how many are there? How many are there? There's like. There's fifteen. Okay, go with eight. Okay. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Should I pursue this crush? We may have time. For no, two. no, do a different one. Do a different one. No, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. Are you sure you don't want to do that one? Yeah, no, do f- uh, 11. Okay, all right. Um, update and how to prepare for marriage. Update? It's an update and also how to prepare for marriage. I have one I have one that says... Uh, uh, what's, the one, what's the one that has the juiciest header? Okay, arranged marriage, no touching. Yes. All right, yes. okay. Okay, there we go. We found it. Um, all right. Short summary. My fiance and I are getting married at the end of the year. We obviously kiss and hug, etc. But I feel so guilty about it it's because I obvious. know the church teaches against it. But Th- kissing really? and hugging has made us closer and made us more open with each other. So how do I navigate this? Uh, she's 26. She's a woman engaged to be married at the end of this year. We've known each other as friends for a long time seven years and only started dating earlier this year after mutual friends and arranged marriage came into play. What? I know. I know. I don't What's know. What's happening? Okay. I don't know. Is that it? Was that the whole thing? That That's was the whole, whole thing. Question? That's the whole question. Her okay. name suggests she may be in a, from a different culture where arranged marriage is more prevalent. Uh, I see. So I'm, I'm searching the catechism right now for the word kissing. <laughs> no results found. How about kiss? She wants to remain anonymous, so I'm not going to say her name. But, hey, yeah, the reason this stuck out to me was because you seem to be under the impression that uh, the church teaches against kissing and hugging. Um, no. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, the church does not teach does against not that. does forbid kissing and hugging. I mean, the church forbids kissing and hugging in lots of situations. Yeah, for instance, for instance, the church forbids kissing and hugging if you are married and not married to the person you're kissing and hugging. Right. That's if against you, the rules. The, yeah. So there's a couple of different situations couple when you're when you're not married, you're allowed to kiss, but only sometimes. And you're allowed to hug. It's kind of like a, a pyramid, you know. Like you can hug just about anyone. Yeah. You can you can kiss just about anyone. Wait, hold on. You can kiss a smaller number of people. <laughs> you can hug and kiss even fewer of those people. Yes. Right? Because it's because like your auntie from Italy comes over, Auntie Pastrami, and she swings by, <laughs> and you say Auntie Pastrami, and she says, "You are so skinny. You Where's must eat." Yeah, uh, gabagool. <laughs> 
and then and then you kiss your auntie pastrami on the cheek but you would never in your life give her like a full kind of wrap around hug and kiss yeah like what you know yeah i feel like we've got four venn diagram circles going on here and the one person in the middle is just his spouse spouse, <laughs> spouse. um yeah i i mean like this is this is the fun thing about about catholic morality and why a conscience is important because like mm-hmm. nowhere in the church in the church documents and in the catechism does it say hey if you're dating someone it's a sin to kiss someone else on the mouth right i think that's what people think the catechism is yeah like, but it but it is a sin to kiss someone else to on to, the mouth on the mouth when you're dating because in our culture that's considered reserved for certain relationships and so right. there are some there are some cultural and like situational circumstances what moral theology calls it and so the circumstance that you're in my friend uh where you are engaged to be married to someone um it, you're fine you guys can hug yeah. and kiss each other till the cows come home there are french men that kiss each other on the mouth just just for they don't even know each other they don't know like they, they're just like ah it's just like hey you want to buy this baguette sure i do Mwah. Mwah. that's a that's, right a, on, that's right a real on. that's a that cigarette you're smoking smells real nice oh yeah you want to try it yeah sure oh. <laughs> <laughs> every time someone flies into that's france france baby <laughs> every time someone flies into france their passport gets stamped and it says pucker up wee wee <laughs> Pucker up, wee wee. <laughs> yeah, I, that 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 just needed to be brought out in the open. Yeah, I, no, that's good. It's that's a really good. good one. I, I like. Yeah, th- I've, I I I thought this might be like a goof, right in because it said uh, engaged, no touching. It's like, hey, I'm engaged to my cousin, and my grandpa says that there's always money in the banana stand, but he went to jail and you classic know, like one of those things. Yeah, um, no touching. <laughs> I um. It's pretty funny. I give me one more. Let's end on a helpful note. I put I I titled this one uh, "Where the White Women At." Uh, All right, that's fine. Which is from Blazing Saddles. Uh, I see. I, I don't know if you've seen that movie. I haven't seen Blazing Saddles. I've seen the one scene where there's a traffic stop that comes down and stops the horses. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, Blazing Saddles is very funny. Gene Wilder is a genius. Gene uh, Wilder. Genius Wilder. Genius Wilder. Um, this is the short summary of his question, which is about one line shorter than his actual question. So it's right, about, got it. yeah. Where is the mythical Avalon, the place where young, single, attractive, good Catholic ladies who want and are ready to get married outnumber the good Catholic men ready to do so specific geographic location. I want to go there and meet them. Please don't respond with a college campus. Goodness uh, gracious, that's dude. Funny. It's fine. He doesn't. He doesn't listen. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's fine. Oh, he doesn't. Okay. Um, I am a thirty-year-old Catholic adult male in California. I've been told there's a lopsided ratio of good Catholic women and no Catholic men available. When in my own experience, it's the exact opposite. I have no problem getting dates and relationships going with non-Catholic women. Yet with practicing Catholic women, landing landing a human on Mars seems more practical. Um, Tip number one: Don't live in California. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I think there's a lot of, I mean, like you got to go where there's a lot of young Catholic adults, like move to the Midwest, move to Indiana. You'll be fine. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I think there's, there should be a lot of people in California. Yeah. I mean, they all, they're, they're all getting swallowed up by the ocean. Yeah. I don't, I don't. And, and wildfires. I don't and know. Wildfires. I don't know. People need to stop having gender reveal parties in California. 
the state's going to be gone the more babies they have. Um, I'm a 30-year-old Catholic adult male in California. There's a lopsided ratio. It's possible. I don't know. It's possible that you're not going to the churches that young Catholics go to. Um, it's possible. I don't, I've, I've, I've met, I, I don't know. I've met people that are Have both, you tried Catholic Match? Have you tried Catholic Match? This right, person definitely right. has tried Catholic Match. I know, because they, they signed up on the Catholic Match Instagram. Yeah, they were the on the Catholic Match Instagram. Um, well, actually, maybe they follow the Catholic Match Instagram, but they haven't. But they haven't don't know. taken the plunge. They don't know they can sign up for a free profile by going to CatholicMatch.com. That's a crunch. <laughs> Let me say the one thing to this guy. Listen. Get it together. Like, the, I, I do not approve, generally, of the, there's not enough other gendered Catholic around me. I'm the only one. Like I just don't. It's just not true. We have the biggest I denomination know I've said this and in my, the world. I know there I've are said. one in every seven people is Catholic. Maybe not in America, but in the world. But in you the world, the odds are good. You're going to be I've fine. Said this. I know I've said this already on this podcast. What have you said? You can't find any good Catholic women. I don't. I think you're. I think you're lying. I think you may think know a few. Yeah. And either they don't want to date you. Okay. I don't want to say this because you seem like a nice guy. You seem like a good fella. You seem like okay? a pretty good guy. But I don't know that you're a good fella. No, I don't um, trust you. I don't trust I've never you seen yet. You. I gotta you know. To I gotta know you can hang. But I. I have a friend. I have a couple of friends who are in pretty this good. boat. And they're like, oh, there's no good Catholic men. There's no good Catholic women. They both dip. Both of them say this. And I, I know from knowing this, this guy, I know from knowing this guy, there are good Catholic men, sorry, women out there, but it's his fault that he hasn't dated any of them. He's not, he's got some work to do on himself. That's okay. It's okay. okay. It's not wrong to have to work on yourself. Where right. have all the good men gone and where are all the gods? Where's the streetwise Hercules <laughs> to fight the rising odds? Is it there a white knight upon a fiery steed? Late at night I toss and I turn and I dream of what I need. I need, I need a trad a boy. <laughs> I'm holding up for a trad boy till the morning light. And he's got to be strong and he's got to be white. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the body of a PVC pipe. That's pretty good. <sighs> I need a trad wife. I need I'm a trad for wife. a trad wife trad till, the, till end the, end the, the end of the night. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'd say work on yourself. I I don't I can't. Yeah. Um lower your standards. Uh I don't mean that in the sense of like date people that aren't good people. I mean like you may be looking you you may have in your mind this picture of a perfect woman and it's actually not who you're supposed to marry. It's just You know what I mean? Like it's good to have high standards and say like, "Oh, hey, I 
I want to make sure that I marry someone who prays, which is good, right? But like, it's um, I believe you'll find this. And and here's the thing: you don't need a mythical Avalon where all the good Catholic women are. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. You don't this need dude, whatever. It's a cornucopia of women. You don't you need, cannot. Yeah, have you a don't, cornucopia of women. You don't need that island that Wonder Woman is from. Okay, you don't need that one castle from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You just need a person. Um, yeah. You don't get to you don't get to be the only Catholic guy in a room full of Catholic women. Ever. I think that's what people are looking for. The, the the women who say we're all the good Catholic men, they want to be in a room full of good Catholic men who all want to be with them. That's what we all want. I'm not saying you're you're a bad person because you want that. I'm saying you're a human being. That's what we all that's what we young us all wanted. We wanted to be able to because like what what happens when there's a, when you're the only man in a room full of women, women, it's all of a sudden you are the man. The guy, you know, yes. like you can pick whoever you want. You could be super picky because as Here's long as thing. you have yeah. This is not the 2001 Harry Potter PC game where you can unlock the jelly bean room and there's just tons of jelly beans on the floor and you can go and pick up as much of them as you can and then you can go buy a potion with it, right? Like, this is not a, this is not, you're not living in a world. This is very weird. I'm having weird memories of this game. I yeah. think I did that game. Yeah, we did that. We all did that game. It was very popular. Flipendo! Yep, anyway. that is it. That's it. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, you're not going to unlock a secret room where there's just a bunch of jelly bean ladies and you're going to scoop them all up and be like, nah, I got all these ladies. Like that's not, that's not how it works. This is not, you're not, you're not, there's no level that you have to unlock. Can you, can you edit this out? Can you edit this out? If you keep that in, I'm going to divorce you. <laughs> that's it for the freaking podcast. I'm done. Oh yeah, that's me too. It. I'm going to play basketball. That's what I'm doing. It's Friday night. I'm living it my way. Facebook.com slash group slash the crunchcast. Patreon.com slash the crunch. At the crunchcast on Instagram and Twitter. If you are still in the toxic wasteland known as social media. Instagram. Oh, yeah. Ethan at the crunchcast.com. Patrick at the crunchcast.com. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? If anyone has a spare trad wife, please mail to P.O. Box 98 on uh, (laughs) the Boulevard of Broken Dreams, 90210. Okay. (laughs) I walk these empty streets. I don't know if that's the right song. That is. That is the right song. Oh, it is? Yeah. Nice. Nice. My shadow's the only one who walks beside me. Uh, 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 uh. The songwriting really hit a peak in 2007. <laughs> yeah, people think people think uh, worship songs are repetitive. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah.